You remember. Roll your stealth roll. Game books, pencils, pizza, cheese puffs, and a hell of a lot of dice. And the dragon woke up. Roll for initiative. This is the Roll for Initiative podcast, where 1E is the place to be. Roll for Initiative podcast, we're at volume 6, 182. I'm Vince, sitting with Matt. Hello, everyone. And Nick. Howdy, howdy, howdy. And back again, Mr. Crispy. It's me, everyone's favorite. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't make anybody vomit or barf at all. No. I'm a little gassy now, though. Uh, well, okay, so new one. He makes people gassy. <laughs> hmm. So anyway, we're uh, back with another show. Um, we just, you know, came off a nice little vacation, and then we're all back. We have some something interesting this week, and uh, we have no stars, uh, Nick, correct? That is correct. We have no stars on iTunes. But just to remind everybody, go to iTunes, go to the iTunes store. You can type in Roll for Initiative in the search, and you can go from there. You can listen to previously downloaded episodes, and you can give us a a review on one of our shows, and we might just read it on the show. So there you have it. Not sure when this podcast will drop, but the Any Awards are out for voting right now. Ah, yes. We want to make sure that Zach Glazer gets a good vote for his death and taxes. You know, good supporter of the show and a good OSR person. Sweet. I uh, had a nice interview with him at North Texas RPG Con, so um, he's always a good guest. Mm. So hopefully, I don't know how Matt. How long are those voting for? Is it two weeks or a week? Or I think it's. Let's see here. To the interwebs. No, 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 no. Any intermission. July twenty first. All right, so this should come out before July twenty first. Yep. Yeah. And uh, go over there and vote for Zach. Nothing else, just Zach. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm voting right I, now. I always yeah. go look at the Annie Awards, and I don't know any of the stuff. I don't think I ever know any of it. I haven't <laughs> voted for the Annie's for a few years, ever since this, like, uh, this really awful, like, OSR game one. Uh, I think it was called, like, Pages and Merrills or something like that. I was. I don't know. Yeah, well, the new Mazes and Perils that yes. won an Emmy Award is out for uh, Deluxe Edition is out on RPG Now, and uh, we released it on North Texas RPG Weekend in what uh, in June, June sixth, around there. You can pick it up there. We let, we released a bunch of the supplements, but that's not about this show. So, right. Thank you, Crispy. Thank you, Crispy. Uh-huh. Oh, you know who else I. I guess I could interject here with this since you mentioned North Texas RPG Gone. Uh, uh, RPG Con. RPG Gone, okay. <laughs> RPG Gone. When I was at Origins, I uh, ran into um, uh, your buddy from Pace Center Games. Oh, Bill? Yeah. Oh, cool. How was he doing? He was there at North Texas. I didn't have a chance to interview him. I was yeah, kind of mad. Here, I ran into him. Literally? At, uh, almost. Yeah, he was painful. at the. I was at the uh, um, Goodman Games booth, and I was talking with the fine folks there at Goodman Games, and, and I see this guy walking up there. He's, you know, he's like just chit-chatting away, and I'm looking at his tag. I'm like, "Hey, don't I know you?" And he looked at my tag. Goes, "Hey, you're DM Nick." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my God, weren't you just at North Texas RPG Gun?" And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, wow, this is so cool." 
So I, yeah, I talked with him, ran into him, and I was, I thought that was pretty cool. Just, you know, small world and all. So. Just small, small world. Yeah. I just, uh, I just rode that ride a couple days ago. You wrote the ride? I rode that ride. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry for you. Lost his sand. Is that even though that ride was still open? I thought that was actually. Yeah. Down. Fail, fail the sand check. Yeah, uh, they updated it to have all the Disney princesses. Oh. The all right. Bill Barsh was there. That was pretty cool. Cool. Uh, so before we head into the meat of the show, just want to tell you about our new sponsor we have on the network. John Rice is sponsoring our, our podcast. We're opengamingstore.com. He's the same person who created uh, D20PFSRD, so the D20PathfinderSRD.com website. Uh, where you can find all the stuff that he does, and he has the OpenGamingStore.com, where you can go and it's a lot like RPG Now and Drive Through RPG, where you can get PDFs of various gaming books. It's really cool because if you back this Patreon right now, you get 10% off all your orders. So once you head over to OpenGamingStore.com and uh, check out what he has there, and sign up for an account, and uh, tell him RFI sent you, and he might even uh, give you another discount. I don't know, maybe. Just but uh, pause the show now and buy some stuff. Oh, he did say for every $20 in your order, you get a free PDF from d20pdfrsd.com publishing. So, hey, there you go. Free stuff. Free stuff. All right. Head into the meat of the show, Table Matters. Typical of all the evil creatures in the world, I like to find one with table manners. What are you kidding me? I spent years cultivating the worst table manners on the planet. Table manners. All right, in table manners, we're going to be covering. I, I've never even heard of this adventure. Rather obscure because it's from the basically it was like the the uh, Dragon magazine for the UK. Imagine, right? It was called Imagine. Yeah. Imagine number sixteen, July nineteen eighty four. Yep, July nineteen eighty four. And, and how long did it last? Maybe two, three years. It didn't <laughs> last. If that, if yeah. lasted until 86, maybe? So maybe lasted about two years, but yeah. they had a an adventure in there uh, called Seth Hotep, which is a ancient Egypt-based uh, adventure. And um, this adventure, what I thought, one of the things I thought interesting was Besides being ancient Egypt orientated, because the only thing you really had before that was the, uh, I think the Desert and Desolation series of modules, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which are proudly sitting on my shelf right now. But this one was interesting because it's multi-statted. So yeah, it, is this around the time that they bought Dragon Quest? I think so, because mm. we talked about that before the show, and it has. Stats for basic D&D, AD&D, and for Dragon Quest. And for the folks that aren't familiar with Dragon Quest, it was a, when it was uh, SBI that was a wargaming company and they were trying to ride the crest of the RPG uh, scene at the time. And I know they came up with Dragon Quest, but I, if I remember correctly, Wizard, uh, not Wizards, but TSR, Bought Spy, SPI. And the game just kind of petered out. 
Yeah, I don't even know what happened to it. I mean, I think they just put it on the back burner and then got rid of it. Yeah, it, it just seemed it seemed like uh, one of those. <laughs> if, if you're into conspiracies, you know, maybe a TSR bought them out so they could not so they could kill Dragon Quest. I don't know, but uh, I do I do remember seeing it in the story. It was I remember seeing just one book. Well, it, but they, you, there you was said th- Vince, there was a box set. Yeah, yeah. And TSR that. actually published Dragon Quest in '89, uh, the third edition. That might have been the book I saw. Oh, I yeah. saw it late. They did move everything from box sets to books at that point. So. Yeah, so that might have been what I saw. Yeah, and I only recall seeing one article in Dragon Magazine that had anything about Dragon Quest, and it was like like three or four pages at that. So, I, I wonder if it drastically changed that much that killed it. That maybe they tweaked it and killed it. I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I remember you know seeing that I what uh, what Matt said, the third edition of the book. And Vince, you got the second edition box set? Second edition box set. Well, it's actually called second edition master set. I don't know why. Right. I've never actually played it. I've only maybe read it once. Yeah. 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 Because there was, uh, let's see, the first edition came with in a box set with three books. The second edition was like an all in one soft cover. So if you have a box set, that's why in its second edition, that's why it's the master set. Because is, are your books uh, okay. split up? Or are they all? Yeah, there's 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 split up books in there. Maybe they released a box set with some additional stuff in it for second edition. Yeah. Possibly. I. I haven't only, looked at it in a long time. Yeah, I now I do believe that there was one other adventure that was formally published by TSR that was dual statted for AD and D and Dragon Quest. And I, from what I've read, it's not very good. I don't remember the name uh, of it, but it's kind of sad too because a lot of people are like, "Oh, Dragon Quest," and it was like uh, everyone's like, "Oh, it's like Conan, blah blah blah." And that's why I even bought it to begin with. Yeah. Hmm. And it just kind of went faded away. Yeah, there was like no support material. We all know that what's her name at TSR just went. Nah, this isn't Buck Rogers. Get it out. Oh my god. Yeah, and then uh, good imitation, right? <laughs> yeah, and Wizards <laughs> of the Coast actually abandoned the uh, trademark for Dragon Quest too. Oh, so nobody owns it? Uh, actually, Square Enix does. Well, yeah, because the Dragon Dragon Quest is like a series of uh, yeah. It was originally RPG called video games Dragon Warrior in the U.S. Mm-hmm. because of the trademark, but now they they just sell it as Dragon Quest. So Dragon Warrior for the NES over in Japan was Dragon Quest, and now the sequels to Dragon Warrior are now called Dragon Quest because they so- now have the trademark. Couldn't you trademark it Dragon Quest RPG for tabletop role-playing? You could try, but I wouldn't want to deal with uh, Square Enix. Because they could say, well, we could take our RPG video game and license it it to tabletop. You would have to actually look at the trademark for what all they registered it for. True. so. So the lawyers out there speak up. Email us, <laughs> at gmail.com. We want to know because Nick wants to make a game again. I do? <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't have enough smarts to make my own game. Aww. But, no, we'll just go around and collect all the abandoned RPGs and bring them back. Well, like, that's funny because I, I know Marvel Superheroes, the original 
game was the that mechanic was never picked up by Wizards of the Coast. All that stuff's out there for free now. Right. Every last bit of it. Well, the uh the game mechanics, yeah, because you can't you actually also cannot copyright game mechanics. You can only patent yeah. them. And Yeah, you right. can't copyright math. Right. Is like the argument. Yeah. But like all the materials for the the original Marvel superheroes and the advanced Marvel superhero stuff is out there yeah. without I don't uh, whether it's legal or not. That's the gray no, area because the trademarks are still owned by Marvel. Um. Well, well, they haven't gone after him yet. Right. Yeah. It, it falls into they don't care, but they're right. too busy rolling in that Disney money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I would be too. Anywho, uh, try to get us back on track here. Sorry, yeah, everybody. Nick, let's go. Come on now. I know. Uh, Nick, I know. come on. I'm terrible. I hang my head in shame. So it's multi-statted, and there's a little bit of a disclaimer at the beginning stating that it's, it's somewhat based on the mythology of ancient Egypt, but it's not, quote-unquote, historically accurate, which yeah, by any is means. a way of saying, all you history nerds, don't freaking kill us. Right. <laughs> okay. shut up. Saying shut up. Yes, exactly. So you know, it must have been a pain back then, Nick, to write all these things with dual statted, tri statted. It must have been a big pain in the butt. That's all I. Have I to can say. imagine that. I I just that was a thing for a time. Yeah, I do remember that, and this was a this is a pretty good example of it. I think. Um, God, who else did multi statted stuff back then too? Uh, I want to. Did some of the judges' guild stuff? I think was maybe multi-statted. They had their own weirdness going on. Yeah, so. yeah. Back when the compatible with AD and D, uh, take that off your covers now. Time okay. period. Now I do remember Chiasium back in the day. I think was doing like multi-statted stuff for like when it was when they had Rune Quest, but they also statted it for maybe for D and D for a while too. I think. I think Rollies might have done it too. Yeah, I think Rollades might have done it too. I know one company doing it um, currently, um, the one game Octoon Cthulhu. If you've seen that, it's basically Nazis and Lovecraftian horror. Oh, from yeah. uh, Cubicle 7? Uh, it's Modifius okay. Entertainment. Okay, yeah, I'm thinking of something. Because Cubicle 7 also did something very similar. They Yeah, they have World War Cthulhu. Okay. This Ooh. one's a little more like Oh, uh, they did yeah. Bash, didn't they? The superhero game Bash. Uh, I don't remember. But yeah, uh, Octoon Cthulhu is statted for uh, Call of Cthulhu 6th edition and for Savage Worlds. So, because I'm looking at one of the books I got at Origins right now. So, but yeah, there's still some companies who do multi-statted stuff. But yeah, I can imagine it could be a pain if there's no equivalence of like a monster from one system to another you kind of have to you might have to wing it a little but um i don't know well, let's get into the i guess the meat and the potatoes of this thing like the the game master's introduction and basically it comes down to there was a a high a, a priest of seth Mm-hmm. who is looking for... He, he finds another um, 
how, how do I, how do I, I guess I'll get, I could just read it. It's probably the best. Some of the background of this mini module depends on the Egyptian myths of Osiris, Horus, and Seth. And might find it useful to read through an article on Egyptian mythology or read deities and demigods. No so, way. Readings for nerds. I know. And so they say GM, not DM. Yeah, they say GM. Um, Seth was the chief god of the upper of Upper Egypt, Lord of the Desert, animals and storms. It's animals and its storms uh, in the desert. And with unification of upper and lower kingdoms, his place was usurped by Osiris of the lower kingdom. Uh, the ensuing struggle while leaving Osiris dead resulted in the destruction of Seth's temples and the scattering of his followers by those of Horus. So Horus and Seth uh, somewhat joined up to try to fight Osiris, but Seth died. Um, there is a, one of his followers called Seth Hotep, as he calls himself, hidden in the desert for many years, and he uh, he come across a uh, some nomads that lived as bandits, and they had a hidden oasis that they used as their stronghold. And Seth Hotep found a temple to Seth and his ally Sobek, Lord of Marshes and Crocodiles. Keep thinking Bubba Hotep. Bubba Hotep, yeah. He's some kind of Bubba Hotep, huh? Uh, he deciphered the hieroglyphics in this uh, temple and basically using this place as a trying to rebuild the uh, the worship of Seth, and he's trying to find a scroll uh, in the that tells about the whereabouts of the to, true tomb of Osiris. He's and he's recently stolen this papyrus scroll and is working to to decipher it. For which his rival's body in his power, Seth must surely be able to regain his old mastery. So there's some. Interesting contretemps going on there. But um, that's the basic background. He's trying to, uh, Seth Hotep is trying to regain uh, Seth's power by finding this scroll. And the adventuring party, how they get into this, um, is by at a city called Herosophilus. I think I. Heracopolis. And the adventuring party is hired by the chief scribe and high priest of Nebetuhut. Boy, this is real tough reading. Nebertehut. Nebertehut. Sorry. Pardon me, everybody. And he's a worshiper of Toth. Um, and he wants the adventuring party to find out why that there's caravans that are being attacked and that's where it kind of goes from there so you want to guys want to kind of go on from there and see what else it, you know about the adventure i'm just kind of giving the background here so well it has its typical where the player should start what you need to do and it has its little rumor table mm -hmm. it, a lot of this adventure relies on the players taking their own actions, and it doesn't really guide the GM in the beginning. Like, sorry, I said, mm -hmm. should say DM. You yeah. notice it's like, um, I don't know, if maybe a lot of the modules were written by TSR during that time period of, this is what the players need to do. Move them mm -hmm. along. 
And I don't know. While I kind of like that in a sense, I don't like that anymore. That's just my opinion. I don't like it anymore at all. Right. Yeah. This is a little more open, I guess. Well, I like the openness of modules like this, but I like to have some type of structure other than let the players wander around and figure it out. It's just like, it was, Right. Okay, I got rumors. I have to sit and plan this out now. If I'm reading a module or something like this, I want to be told what I need to do. Right. You, right. you want to have a suggestion for this is the best way to get the players to end up where you want them to without it making yeah. it seem like you're throwing yeah. them on a railroad. Yeah, right. I was just rereading through this as we were going through like our introductions, and I was like, I don't remember how this thing ends, and yeah, there's I, not really an ending. It just says when this happens, I guess it's game over. Good it, job, everybody. Yeah, it reminds me far more of like a pulp adventure than it like a yeah. fantasy D and D adventure. Yeah, it, throwing some guys from the 1920s with fedoras wandering through the desert looking for yeah. this ancient paper. You're this is great. For your fantasy yeah. campaign, it's like, um, I don't, I don't know. I think one of the things that kind of, if you were going to, that kind of took me as how, how I was thinking, how would I fit this into a current campaign? Because it's so you entrenched in the Egyptian mythology. You how can't. would that fit into somebody's game world? Yeah, you can't. Right. I mean, I could see this being as a one-off, like at a, at a, at a convention. Right. You know, maybe and if you were running Al-Kadim. Yes, if you're using that as a campaign setting, but it's so entrenched in the ancient Egyptian mythos that I don't know how unless that's part of your own homebrew campaign world. But anything that's beyond that, like at the time you had World of Greyhawk, really, and that was it. I mean, how would that fit in? Not. <laughs> not at all <laughs> not you, much you would have to throw in the undiscovered continent that has this yeah. more egyptian flavor i, I mean yeah you would have to shove this way off the map somewhere railroad the characters into it yeah i, pretty much. I think one reason this doesn't work that well is because it takes place in ancient egypt yeah it's not you know ancient egypt is a th is you know I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. It's not you're, you're in you're in ancient Egypt, but that's like your contemporary time. Like everything's still new, right? So you're still in recently built ancient Egypt. It's it's a historical fiction, essentially. Yeah, and I think that's where it's. I for me, it's like yeah, I couldn't fit this into a current campaign. This is this is a one off adventure. Mm -hmm. The players, basically unless you go ahead, unless your campaign is actually in ancient Egypt, you know. So. so you have to railroad them into this. They have to figure out which one of these rumors is true. Hook on to one of the rumors to even get this adventure started, if right. they believe it. Travel halfway across the oasis to get to this lost place, temple, whatever it's called, to fight all these weird monsters in this 1,000-room area. It looks like yeah, it's so many rooms. It's a lot of rooms. Somebody jammed into five feet, it looks like. Yeah, it's the map is... Is I like the look of the map somewhat. It's not gridded. We did just get to let new, everybody know. We did get one new monster that I, I don't remember in any of the books, a poltergeist. I mean it's just a spirit, but at least it's named something. Yeah, the uh, poltergeist is just like a a, a a wraith or like a white or something like ghoul. It's <laughs> There was also something in here that I was questioning when I read the rules. It was about, I know we're not basic D&D, &D, but 
What is the opposite of curse in basic D&D? It's blight? Apparently, um, no. Never, no, it's, it's not. bless. Bless. Yeah. Yeah, curse is the the opposite of bless. Or was it one one of the other? It was the reverse, and it said in AD&D, it's curse slash bless. And I'm thinking it's the same thing in basic. Since yeah, you- I'm, I'm looking at that right now. Yeah, there's where it says, for basic D&D, yeah, it says any character attempting to steal the model. There's a model of, what was it? Uh, a statue of Seth holding a model of a casket, casket in which Osiris is trapped. Yeah. If you steal it, you get cursed. But under the basic D&D one, it says you have to save versus spell or suffer the effects of a blight, the reverse of second level cleric spell bless for six turns. For basic D&D. I didn't know. I mean, I played, what, Lord, um, Sword and Wizardry, Labyrinth Lord, and um, basic D&D, Menser, mm-hmm. BX, <laughs> RC. I never knew there was a blight. I, anybody? It's supposed to be the reverse of bless. It, it yeah. should be curse. Yeah. Maybe that's a typo. Just like for AD&D. I think that's a typo. It's got to be. Jesus. I mean, I could look at my yeah. basic D&D book right here. That's what I'm I doing think, right now. To the I book. Mean, basic mentor. I mean, this, is trying to, this would be Second. a perfect time for someone from Save or Die to jump in and say, ha-ha, I'm an expert. Somebody, quick, yeah. get Mike on the phone. No, 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 no. I don't think that so like I uh spoiler alert, I, I don't think this module is very good. Um but I don't think it's unsalvageable. It has potential. Yeah, I think if you ramp up the pulpiness and take out because there's a lot of monster encounters I've noticed. A lot. Take out a bunch of those and replace them with like wonky death traps. I gotta be honest, I didn't think there was enough monster encounters for my for my taste. <laughs> But they're all the same type of monsters. Yeah. Just let everybody know it's 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 an interesting map. Don't get me wrong. I I like the map because it's too what you would expect for ancient Egypt. Um, but, but when it comes chance. to the monsters, it's it's either zombies or skeletons and a few ghouls, and that's scorpions. pretty much it. Some scorpions. scorpions, and that's it. Not a whole lot of variety. All jammed into one area. All jammed into one area, pretty much, yeah. So, yeah, go figure. I, I don't know. Is this supposed to be like a an old temple or an old pyramid or something? The way it's structured, it's hard to tell. I think it's an old temple, but I just want to jump back to what Nick was saying. Uh, we talked about it before the show started. Uh, all these scorpions and, and zombies and not a single mummy. Yeah. I thought there was one. There's a mummy. No, there, there's a mummy. But it's not an animated mummy. Yeah, it's oh, not like a, a mummy you fight. But there is, I, I, I guess that's the same mummy. There's a mummy on the front cover of this module in the illustration, which <laughs> led me to believe that I would be fighting a mummy. No. <laughs> Aw, Crispy's sad. A little bit. You miss your mummy? I do. I was waiting for someone to do that bad pun. Oh I think my that, god, guys. Listen to this. Second level clerical spell, bless. When reversed, this spell, blight. It's Hmm. called blight in basic D&D. In which version? Metzer. Which was out of the time. Yeah, I just, I played advanced for so long that when I went back to basic, I probably just assumed it was that and never looked it up. Yeah. 
I have the least amount of experience with Mensura. I'm more of a Moldvay guy. Yeah, me too. What is but your? I mold? looked it up in the book, and yeah, it's called Blight and Basic D and D. What a known. Though I do own an RC. <sighs> now, one of the things about this that I I thought there's really good room descriptions. I thought yeah, that was kind of the room cool. descriptions and like hidden treasures all right. over the place. Like here's a good example: room G20, antechamber to the chapel of Sobek. The antechamber is empty except for a small altar bearing the the seductory inscription in, ah, bearing inscriptions to Sobek and caked with dry blood. Dried blood. A figure of Sobek is carved into the back wall of the antechamber. His arms outstretched in a protective gesture. The other walls bear scenes of Seth's flight to the swamp. Sobek rising to receive him and the two gods killing falcons with their arrows and rampaging victoriously through the armies of the lower kingdom. That's a great description. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, most of the other places here are kind of meh as far as like monsters and stuff, but really good descriptions of, of the various rooms. I mean, at least it has that going. It has, yeah, a very well-developed uh, sense of interior design. Yeah. It's just all the other stuff is really boring. Yeah, like when I and when you get to the main burial chamber, I'm thinking, okay, this is where the mummy's going to show up. There's a mummy, but it's not animated. <laughs> and I even wrote a little comment like, what? No, no mummy to fight? Lame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would at least throw it in there. Yeah, I, I think there's something here. If you just ramp up the fantasy and the pulp, yeah, uh, like why can't like you have a boss battle where, uh oh, Seth has come back to life and now yeah. I got to stop him. I just thought there was way, in my opinion, I think there's way too much treasure here for what yeah. you're fighting. I at least from what I've seen. And. Um, to the DM to curb it if he doesn't want it, of course. Yeah, that's right. true. Uh, I would have changed up some of the monsters a, l- a little. I mean, yeah, a couple of things that, I mean, two monsters that kind of that leap to my mind that you could have put in here. Uh, I think it. What are they called? The the Hui Kuba, mm-hmm. that undead, yes. uh, the feet and folio. Those I think would fit in very well. You could pose them as like. Uh, priest of seth or some other uh maybe the maybe the maybe they're like posing as priests of osiris you know so you could use them or uh sons of caius would have been really good i you know oh, uh, uh, i just want to jump on the fiend folio uh thing what's that mummy that like is coated in st- like double-sided tape. Oh, the adhere. <laughs> the adhere. That would be fun to throw in here. You get your mummy. It's really stupid. It's great. You know what? That would work. Or in the main burial chamber, just throw that in there. I mean, it's low enough hit dice. It's only four hit dice. The adhere. Mm-hmm. And because a mummy is like, let everybody know this is for what second to fourth level characters. So maybe yeah. a mummy would be a bit too much. Yeah, the whole curse and rotting flesh. Yeah. Probably yeah, a little bit so much. maybe in here, just to kind of throw him for a loop, or a son of Caius would be good in the main burial chamber, because then you got you know the son of Caius coming up there, raising out of the um, the uh, sarcophagus and 
you know, little green uh, worm starts shooting out of its eye sockets at people. So <laughs> that's what I would do. I'm just trying to think of any other monsters that would be fitting to use in this sort of it's, it's setting. Very true to old school because there's quite a few spots I count I count here that save versus end death. <laughs> yes, there's yeah there are a few of those. Like really, I mean save versus poison or death. It's like whoa. Yeah, save or die. Lots of scorpions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even even like maybe putting some giant spiders and some giant rats in there too. What, a, what about beetles? I mean, yeah. oh, beetles would be yes. a really good. Oh, scarab, yeah. giant scarab beetles. There you go. Yeah, yeah, you giant could, scarab beetles would be awesome. Yeah, you could even throw in from the fiend folio the crypt thing, the one that just teleports players randomly throughout this massive complex. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be good. Where do you? Uh, where would you put a one of these? Where would you put a, a crypt thing? Oh, oh, good question. Yeah. No, it's. Uh, I think Glenn talked about it a few episodes ago, but they did an episode on a crypt thing, and he just absentmindedly goes, "Oh, uh, I mean, where would you, where would you put these?" And I was just like, "I don't know, in a crypt." <laughs> yeah, I heard all about that. You were just like in a crypt. <laughs> well, that's interesting. There's no description for room G twenty nine. No, there's oh, looking, that's where the crypt I'm, thing goes. <laughs> there you go. I'm looking 21, 23, 27, 28. Yeah, it, there's no description ends. for room G29 on the map. There's your crypt thing. That's where you go. Actually, mm -hmm. that long hall you put him at the end, that'd be perfect. <laughs> yep. Huh. Yeah, he's just sitting down there. He's like, yeah, <laughs> I'm the crypt keeper. He sounds like a gangster from the 30s. Welcome yeah, to the <laughs> what? He man. Oh, now he's Skeletor. Skeletor. <laughs> All crypt things are Skeletor. Skeletor. All liches and crypt things. Anything with a skull face is Skeletor. <laughs> yeah, like um, yes, scarab, uh, scarab beetles. Very good in this. Excuse Nick, uh, who's through puberty there. Sorry. Sorry there. Oh, uh, I think another good uh, like addition for monsters would be like something like a. Beast man! Sorry. <laughs> really, Crispy? <laughs> he went there. He went there. Why don't you go do the Skeletor show that's on YouTube? Amen. Well, well, if you put Mumra in this, we could make it a Thundercats name. Oh, God. Thunder. 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 Thundercats! Oh! oh. Yeah. oh my God, we just totally derailed this. But you know what? Beast men would be good with this. I could see them being useful in here. Mongrel men, yeah. maybe maybe being used as minions. Those would be very good. Oh, it would be really cool if you had, like, sick mutant carnivore-eating men in there that are just cannibals. That would be perfect. Yeah, Can cannibals. Yes. Yeah, very basically of the cavemen. Cannibals um, that are hiding in the temple, waiting, and just stalking people and picking off NPCs as you go through it. I it actually... Kind of Went into the deities and demigods book, and oh. I'm looking at the minions of set. I'm like, well, those would be good. Then I'm looking at them like, twelve hit dice? Uh, no, uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> a little too much for this adventure. It's a whap. I'm gonna be a dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. Uh, I think I did notice talking about like, um, cannibals or something like that in the temple. You only really face these desert nomads 
in a couple areas at the beginning. Like, why are there no nomads in, in the, the temple? temple? Yeah, it has to do with it's the temple and they're scared. Possibly. Yeah, and that's and that's where I would probably as a DM. That's where you come into like some non-human minions for 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 this guy. You know, for for Seth Hotep, like either you know Beastman or Mongrel Men or maybe something brand new. Maybe like, um, uh, well, uh, the the one god who's like the god of alligators. Maybe he has like some sort of alligator men, like a variant of lizard men, or something like that. Would the god of potatoes fit in here? The god of potatoes? Yeah. Oh, he's from Ireland. Oh. <laughs> Did any of you notice any magic items? No. The the uh, opening talks specifically about like magic items that Seth Hotep had found in the mm. dungeon, helping or the uh, in the temple, helping him to carry out murders, and you don't find any. No. There is a wand. Oh wait a no. minute. Here we go. Hold on. Yes. Uh, da, 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 da. No, I am incorrect. Hold on. Yeah, I thought there was a wand. Well, for if you're using Dragon Quest, yeah, Dragon uh, Quest the a... wand of the fire and brimstone spell. That sounds really lame. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I've never played Dragon Quest, uh, but it sounds lame. I'm yeah. glad that it's dead. Yeah, it seems kind of meh. I think they got a little lazy in some spots when they put the flight of the stairs is similar to those in H1. Yeah, they just kind of a little lazy going on there. Yeah. <laughs> I think they well, we're losing interest. <laughs> well, they probably only had so many pages and they got a little wordy, so they had to do some editing. Mm-hmm. Hence why there's no G29. It is yeah. really wordy. That is something yeah, I, I, I I'm noticed. looking at it. Yeah, it's well, all the three Where? different stat uh, boxes that you have there. Yeah. Where is G29 on the map? It's in the center of the temple. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was looking on the side. But I did not see a description for it at all in the reading. I'm looking, and I don't see it. Someone has to t- uh, uh, contact Mr. Davis and ask him what the hell, dude. <laughs> yeah, that would be a fun conversation. Um, he has a blog. I mean, overall, I mean, it's not like terrible it's not like force or oracle bad oh jeez, no yeah it's fixable it's really right. really fixable it's got potential right so uh, we're we moving into rating this module now i think so i i mean like there's a lot of rooms but i don't think there's a lot of meat to this it's also only four pages or eight pages long yeah it's wow. not huge so what are we rating this module we'll start with you nick what is it? Out of five uh, swords, yeah. Out of five swords, uh, two and a half. I give right. it two and a half. Middle of the road. Like I said, it's it's got potential. There's a lot of good things you could do with it, but as it stands, it's rather mediocre. Um, there's the missing description of room G29, but I mean, you could beef up some of the encounters. To, to make it a little more challenging to the adventures, in my opinion, uh, because of the the yield of of the of the treasure, to me, is not proportional to what you're fighting. Like, there's a place where um, there's a lapis luzi and emerald armlets, and there's two zombies you gotta fight, and they're worth like 
300 gold each and 1200 gold. It, I wonder know, if there was any, uh, um, what do they call those, um, errata for this or whatever the hell, for maybe a correction in a future magazine. Oh, we left out room 29. Actually, yeah, if you look at the map, there's no room 28. Oh. So 28 what? is 29. Yes, look at it. Because I, oh. I was just reading G14, and it references G28, and there's no G28 off G14. There's a G. So it's actually G29 should be G28. They misnumbered it basically. Okay. Wow. Because I'm looking for it, like where the hell is it? <laughs> yeah, there is no G28. Yeah, that's I, supposed to be G28. Yep. I wonder right. if they missed. They numbered it incorrectly. I wonder if G27B should have been G28. Possibly. And they were supposed to do another room for 29, but they left it as A and B. They went, oh, let's make it A and B. Well, no, G28's the inner sanctuary, the great chamber with the huge seated statue of Seth. That area looks like it would be the inner sanctuary. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So they just numbered it incorrectly on the map. Okay, there you go. But, yeah, two and a half swords. Way to go, map drawer. (laughs) Good job, Magellan. (laughs) Who did this map? Uh, Let's see. Uh, Vasa da Gama? Uh, No. It would be worth a lot more if it did, but... uh, uh, Cartography, Paul Ruiz. Paul, hang your head in shame. If he's still Paul. He failed his cartography skill roll. Whoa, the art was done by Brian Williams. Isn't he that news reporter that claimed to... Oh, yeah. <laughs> that guy. That guy, yeah. Yes, that guy. So anyway, okay, Crispy, what do you rate this thing? I say two out of five swords. Crispy with low rating. I mean, it's uh, it's salvageable, but I feel like it's a lot of work that now I got to do. Yeah. You're a lazy DM like me. I'm so I'm the latest. Um, Nick kind of hit everything on the head, so I don't. You know, just uh, Matt, can you make an edit here where you just copy and paste everything Nick said? <laughs> yes, I, I will. I will splice together your words so it's identical to what Nick said. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. <laughs> it's interesting. I forgot the end of the adventure, like as Crispy was mentioning, it just kind of ends. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. go anywhere. It's just like they stop the guy and... I like the, cool. um, the line here. It says, the merchant class, while grateful, will demand the return of their merchandise and a sum several times greater than the treasure from the bandit's lair. Excuse me? <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> yeah. So we're going in there... Fixing everything, coming back, but we got to give you all your crap back, plus, you know. But you're charging an interest? <laughs> yeah, an interest just for doing it for you. Yes. Yeah, I don't think so. Slaughter yeah, the merchant. Yes. Yeah. That's where you go to another town. They just never see you again. <laughs> um, I would rate this one sword. Ooh. It's coming in with the low ratings. Yeah, I'm going with the low rating on this one because while I like the whole setup and everything, I can't find a use for this in any campaign I've ever done ever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they I, I love I love the effort they put into this and if I wanted to run an ancient Egypt campaign, a one shot or a convention like Nick is saying, this is perfect. Other than that, yeah. you know what the why it's one sword? Because I can use the map for something else. <laughs> there you go. Even though it's screwed up. Yeah. yeah, we can change that nine into an eight. Really easy. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. There mm-hmm. you go. 
it'd be like a you know that little kid who does the loop eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay. So uh, speaking of little kids who do loop eights, Matt, what do you rate this? <laughs> uh, oh, why? Thank you. Uh, I'm going. It's a two. It falls in that weird spot. It's not pulpy enough for me to just stick it in a pulp camp fit campaign, but it doesn't have enough fantasy for for my fantasy campaign. It's just. It just exists. It's just kind of there. Yeah, it's just kind of there. I mean, it's, it's kind of tool for Savage Worlds. Yeah, yeah. Doc Savage Adventures. Yeah, you could do like a Savage Worldish thing in it, but it, I can see using this for Call of Cthulhu, maybe. Maybe, but you still got to work it a little bit more. You just to, wouldn't have it in ancient Egypt, right? Yeah, just modernize it a touch. Yeah. But it's just I don't know. It, it's in that weird. It's not good in either direction it's in the middle which just makes it kind of in a no man's land in the middle of the desert so yeah <laughs> play on the words there yes um so yeah so oh it's uh basically going to be a two i think right we add it all up yeah I yeah something so like that well we'll put a link of this module from i guess a google drive mat or a dropbox link or how do you yeah. normally do it uh We'll figure it out. They may even already be up on archive.org because I think at one point all the Imagine magazines were up there. So I'll see if I can find that. Imagine. Okay. Imagine. It gets a 1.875. Thank you, Chris. Repeating. You're welcome. All right, let's go in there. Let's go, Leroy. Who's Nick talking to? (laughs) Anyway, let's uh, head over to Creature Feature. This podcast is brought to you in part by a not very generous grant from Lesser Gnome, publisher of quality role-playing games since last year. Gnomes value high-minded programming just like you. Learn more at their website at www.lessergnome.com. Are you enjoying the show you're listening to right now? Want to help support the show? Why not head over to the Patreon site, patreon.com slash WGP. That's patreon.com slash WGP. And help support the network for as little as $1.50 a month. Right, a dollar fifty a month goes a long way. Thank you. Are you saying that I put an abnormal brain into a seven and a half foot long gorilla? Creature feature theater. And now we're going into the creature feature, and we're going to discuss a creature that won't actually ever attack your party. Mm. No, no, it won't actually. Sort of. It doesn't do anything itself. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. It's Uh, mean. It's 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 evil. For it, evil, evil, yes, because it's the eye of fear and flame from our wonderful, lovely fiend folio. This creature is kind of like the uh, the devil on your shoulder that tells you to do bad things, because yeah. that is actually what he does. This is just like a hooded man-sized figure that lurks in the underworld, so you could even throw him in that temple in our module if you really wanted to. Throw- Hit dice 12. <laughs> yes. Hit dice 12, but he'll never actually attack your party, because what he does is he has comprend or no alignment power so he can speak your alignment language 
Yes. Yeah, so he will, in your alignment language, speak in t- your tongue and try to tell you to do naughty things, very naughty and evil things. So, but it says he will try to command you to do this, but it never actually says he uses any magic to do it. It just says, like, right. he's telling you to go kill your party members. But I don't want to. Why don't you go kill him? Because I don't want to. So it, he's just annoying is what you're saying. Yes. Because, I was going to say, he's just a really assertive dude. Right. It's yes. like, hey, I need you to do this. Right. Come on, man. Because nowhere <laughs> like, does it say they're compelled. Does it? Nowhere does it say it's a spell or an ability. There's no, like, say versus spell. To, yeah. No, it just Nothing says like he tells you to do it. And if you don't do it, then things get a little nasty. Wait, Kill does, the dwarf. No, I don't want to. Oh, please. It does say <laughs> if the eye is attacked or its commands are not obeyed, it will cast back the hood and reveal its bare skull. Right. Ah, this is, a, therein lies the Surprise! Yes. Because <laughs> this is the only way he will actually attack your party. In a 12-die fireball sort of way, every yeah. three melee huh. rounds. So he's going to come up and say, uh, go kill the wizard. No. Go kill the wizard. No. Come on. Go kill the wizard. No. Ah, screw it. Pull the hood off and kill you. Right. Yeah, that's the red gem. But what about the black one? Yes, that's called he casts fear every round. Yeah. Yes, every melee, he will be casting fear. And every three melees, a 12 hit dice fireball. Should you decide to start engaging with him, uh, he can also go back to the wonderful plane that he came from. Yeah, he, go, he can become ethereal. Yes, he goes back to the ethereal plane. Uh, he doesn't have any way to do hand-to-hand combat, so if somehow you're immune to fireballs and fear, he can't really do anything to you, at which point yeah. he'll, he'll just run away. So, uh, and it's rumored he was created by the gods of chaotic evil to, evil. Uh, to bring destruction to lawful good. Or perhaps by the lawful neutral gods, just to test people. Uh, He's just there to keep keep the paladins in check. You know, and there's rumor there'll be about twenty of these guys, right? In ex- the entire existence, twenty. Yeah. Yeah. So God, number of appearing one. Imagine all twenty showed up. <laughs> <laughs> so every three rounds, we'll be rolling two hundred and forty hit dice of or two hundred forty six sided dice of fireball. TPK, man. TPK. Unless you have a, like, ring of fire protection or something like that. Then at which point, they're the lamest group of 20 monsters ever. Mm-hmm. But I know Crispy wants to do it. So, Crispy, how would this creature sound if he was talking to somebody? Um, it depends. Is his hood on or off? We'll see. <laughs> His hood is on. Let's start there. Oh, he definitely has, like, the Wishmaster voice, which I can't do. The Wishmaster? Oh, I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. Oh. That's and then uh, when hood he up. when he removes his hood to reveal his bare skull, he's Skeletor. I explained the rules very clearly <laughs> earlier. I, I was just trying to give you an excuse to do the voice. Oh. He won't do it. I know. <laughs> I'll do it! <laughs> that was pretty bad. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> My this is a pretty messed up creature yes it is it's like i'm trying to think how do you use this i really really like it but yeah, i, I do don't too. know how do you, i like it but i like what would i do with this i'm going to kill my party if i have them 
not do it. Unless I had a really gullible party member I could have some fun with. Be like, hey, orc with a wisdom of six, your friends are actually trying to do evil things. You need to stop them and kill them. Oh, okay. I mean, and, uh, the one about, if you do kill him, you get the gems, which lose their, you know, basic uh, powers, and it's just like one to two thousand gold pieces. At that level, who cares? Right. So it's like, it's. Look, Warren Buffett picked up all the gold pieces that he comes across, like, <laughs> even though he has seven strongholds. Right. I, I would. One way I think I would use this this creature would be is if you were in a... Killing the group? Well, if, if the party was in an evil temple and... With the crypt thing? Well, yeah, maybe with the crypt thing, but maybe they, quote-unquote, desecrated the evil temple in some way. Maybe they desecrated the evil, the, the altar in there. Maybe this is a... Uh, the curse is that an eye of fear and flame goes after the goes after the party yeah but with unless you do something with and give them some sort of command ability that just saying do evil things no all all he turns into is i'm fireballing you yeah at, at that point it's kind of lame so he's like a little kid let's play kickball no fireball <laughs> katie kaboom from animaniacs there you go yeah He's the eye of fear and flame is Katie Kaboom. You make him yes, angry. So. He fireballs you. Wow. That's going back into the way back machine, dude. Yes, do, it is. Do, 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 do. But yeah, it's I do like the monster. I think it's pretty cool in itself, yeah. but it's like, how would you fit that in? I mean, that was just one suggestion. I mean, I don't know. How, how else would you maybe put it in there? Vince? I want to give him charm person. Yeah. Give him charm person, and then you could have some fun with this. He charms you, then makes you do evil things. There you go. I uh, I had like an inch, uh, a similar thought where like I would beef him up. I would give him the ability to grant a wish, but in order to get your wish, you have to do a bad thing. And oh. then if you don't do like maybe there's a time limit for when it like he'll give you the wish, and then in return you have to kill someone, and that's why. He has fireball powers because if you like renege on your bet, he has the ability to hopefully kill your party member. The <laughs> yeah. demon. Yeah, really like play up the wishmaster thing. I think that's really that's a good idea. Did you yeah, watch the wishmaster cool. recently, crispy or something? Uh, no, I just you know it's his favorite movie. It is. You got me. I. It's what I fall asleep to every night. It's the Citizen Kane of horror films. <laughs> anyway, so let's uh, head into Citizen Sage advice for the last bit of the show here. We have a couple emails and some voicemails. And let's play the first voicemail from DM Steve. This message is for Vince and the RFI team. This is DM Steve. I've been listening to Volume 6, Issue 178, The Hero's Journey. Actually, a little bit out of order. I listened to what you did, Vince, for the North Texas RPG Con first, and that was really good. But uh, as the originator of the I Dislike DM Crispy, He Makes Me Vomit uh, genre, I just wanted to say I really appreciate you guys bringing that one back up on Volume 6, 178, Heroes Journey. It gave me a good laugh. Anyhow, 
that's about it. Keep up the good work. Enjoy the show. See you. So, yeah, that's all you got to say, Chris? Uh, I would like to add that uh, Steve's voice gives me irritable bowel, irritable bowel syndrome. Oh, he's going to blast that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So thank you, DM Steve. Yes, we're keeping the joke still alive as Crispy is back again just to make you vomit every show for the past three shows. That's why I came on here was... Vince was like, "Hey, this is dude who hates the sound of your voice." And I was like, "Now I gotta, now I gotta come. I gotta be a semi-permanent fixture of RFI." Vince was sitting there back one day. It's like, you know what this show needs? Vomiting. Yes. <laughs> we don't have enough vomiting in this. We need Look, more puke. Uh, thousands yes. of models' careers were uh, launched by vomiting. So. <laughs> Anything, maybe I'm doing Steve a favor. Maybe Steve needs to lose a couple pounds. Whoa. Whoa. But he's a hand model. <laughs> All righty then. So uh, Crispy will be here for the rest of the summer, so too bad. Uh-huh. Until Crispy decides to go away for another two to three years. <laughs> <laughs> Crispy needs things to do on weekends, so... Crispy, oh, now he's speaking about himself in third person. Crispy does that often, Nick. Ooh, crispy. really? Crispy no. can help you the permanent, non-permanent fourth chair for a while. Right, oh, because hey. if it could, because if we make him permanent, something will befall him that'll make him go yeah. away. It's it's Wait. like the I have always said it's like the drummer from Spinal Tap, man. You're gonna burst into flame. Oh man, eaten by orcs. I've always wanted to know. explode. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Right over by a bus full of nuns. Maybe all at the same time. I was in a ska band in high school, uh, and our name was A Gang of Nuns. (laughs) (laughs) So it would be fitting. Yeah, be a screen name that you'd use for 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 Call of Duty Black Ops. You were killed by a gang of nuns. Um, yeah, so we can't make you a permanent person, Crispy, because if we do, that means you have to automatically get another job or go away. So Yeah, teleported yeah, away I'm, by a crypt thing. Yep. Yeah. I'm good just hanging out and being on every once in a while. Every once in a while is a permanent, semi-non-permanent fixture. Yeah. Sounds and good. Then also, this way you don't have to start a new season. Yes. Volume. Volume, pal. Sorry, volume. Good point. Good point. Actually, somebody did email in asking about how we numbered our volumes and decided it, and we were just like, man, you know, new host, new volume, whatever. Yeah, Yeah. I know. I I listened to that episode. (gasps) You did? I did. You're You're such a good fan. It's amazing. Let's uh, go into our last voicemail from DM Raul. Hey, this is DM Raul calling about the Roll for Initiative podcast. You guys were talking about uh, Western role-playing, and I was wondering if any of you had taken a look at the D20 Horizons incarnation called Spellslinger, which married both the Dungeons & Dragons 3.5 with the, uh, with the Wild West and, uh, you know, trading out to races, uh, for instance, uh, trading out the Native Americans for a more wolf-like race. I thought that was kind of interesting when I was thumbing through the book. Uh, I thought you uh, wondered if you had taken a look at that. Also, there was a, a Fantasy Flight Games uh, fan-created uh, item called Edge of the Union, 
that looked very interesting. Did it uh, Wild West, of course, and using the funny dice system that the Fantasy Flight games did. Anyway, just a couple of questions I had for you. Thought you might uh, be familiar. If not, uh, you know, maybe I can provide you a couple of copies, and we'll see where it goes. Thanks. Bye. So the game that he's talking about, the Spell Slinger game, I know you guys were yeah. questioning that. That did. I remember that game did come out around um, third edition, third three point five era, and it was. Uh, there was also another game that came out along with the Sidewinder. It was when they tried to capitalize on the D20 license and make up every game possible in the world, and right. West was one of them, which just doesn't really work. The yeah, he also times. mentioned the one by Fantasy Flight Games in there. Yeah. I oh, yeah. I don't remember the name of it. But, yeah, yeah you do remember Spell Slinger, though. Oh, yeah, I remember. I had a copy of it because one of my friends wanted to play it, but we played Sidewinder instead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. it was... Uh, it was more Western-like. Spellslinger was more D&D with guns added to it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, if I wanted magic in Westerns, I'd probably be doing more Deadlands. Than... Yeah. Aces, maybe? Well, Aces and um, Eights is more real. Yeah, oh. it's more just alternate history, True. Wild West. Yeah, whereas Deadlands actually does have uh, undead and magic and all yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's weird West, absolutely. All right, cool. Um, 570-865-4210 is the hotline. Uh, RFI staff at gmail.com is our email address. We do have two emails that I've pulled out of the email bag from our various emails. One does come from a DM Freddy, and he's asking a question we've seen quite a bit lately. I don't know why, but he's asking about the Thork uh, modules, the giant series that we did. The, we never got a chance to do a review for, but we released them. Mm-hmm. Matt, do you remember where that link was? Because I couldn't find it. I, we held off on releasing them until we reviewed them. Well, and we eventually, I think we just linked them on like the OSR gaming forums an iteration of that ago. So I'm not actually sure where they are. I mean, we could I, try to throw something new up for people to download. Mm-hmm. If you still have them, just throw them up for people to download because he's looking for them. And I've had that email a couple times recently. So yeah, yeah. I guess people are going through the back catalog and playing catch up. Well, yeah. Um, Jason Chapman just went through. Um, he wrote me an email. He went actually it was on Google Plus. I don't know if you saw it, Matt, but uh, he was listening to some of the back shows, and he's, I guess he, I quoted the <laughs> RFI listeners as the RFI army <laughs> back oh. on. Volume one, issue like thirty something. Oh, so we have he, an army. The, yeah, the RFI army. So he made up a graphic called the RFI army, taking back AD and D since two thousand nine or something. Oh, like that. Nice, nice. He's like, hey, better late than never. Only what six years later? Right. Yeah, you know, hey, it happens. Uh, and our last email, um, Nick, I'm gonna throw it to you for from DM Minstrel because you have mm. experience in this and be able to answer it. Uh, I, well, I, I guess it starts out here. Recently, I started playing D&D with friends with 4E after 30 years away, which felt too mechanical. 5E came out. We quickly switched over. My friends came from video games and many encounter results in hack and slash instead of looking for creative solutions. I put completely impossible odds in front of them to get, to get them to attempt other approaches 
but nothing seems to keep them from suicide. <laughs> Do you have any ideas how to get them to be more creative? And think of outside-of-the-box ideas. Should I not hold back and allow them to have a TPK to get some humility? Yes, let them TPK. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Tough love, man. Tough love. That's what I think. You know, it's just sometimes you got to learn the hard way. I mean, just don't get too attached to the characters. They, they TPK, so what? You roll up some more. It's like, now you guys know what not to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, and there's, uh, I have started my two girls, 9 and 12 years old, in D, into D&D and Call Cthulhu, which they love. Unfortunately, many of the adventures call for about four to six PCs, which means either they both play two player characters or I have two NPC helpers plus the regular. I've done the latter, and it's a ton of work to manage the campaign and help them through without just running both sides. Do you have any suggestions or modules or mini campaigns suitable for two players? Or recommendations how to run more easily the NPCs to do a standard adventure? Hmm. That's that's tough. Can can I jump in here with this? Yeah, go for it. Um I don't think that the player rules necessarily have to apply to everything in the game world. Um, if you're going to run two NPCs for them, maybe like two mercenaries or hirelings or whatever, um, mm-hmm. I think just every couple rounds maybe you could, you know, narratively say that they've taken out uh, another guy or, you know, a guy or two or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a lot of work for a DM. It is. um, And if you're, especially if you're running everything under the same system, so if you're running your NPCs as PCs that you're just controlling as well as controlling all of the monsters, I think you can treat that with a little more of a narrative instead of like a simulation or gamist sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess... Another thing that you could do, like he's saying, you know, they're, they're usually for about four to six, you know, player characters. And you only have two players and they don't, they're not, they're just learning. They can't handle playing multiple characters. What you could do, I I think to offset that, is you could increase the levels of the two PCs to compensate for it. I've done you know? that before. And yeah. And I think that would work out. Yeah. That's another way you could do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could also steal something from fourth edition when it comes to dealing with if you have an adventure that has like you and you encountered like 10, 20 of whatever, like orcs, kobolds, goblins, whatever. Make them all steal the minion mechanic where they have one hit point. I love the minion mechanic. I think the minion mechanic is wonderful. So, but I also love fourth edition as a skirmish minis battle game. Oh yeah, it's so. a great tactical miniatures game. So we should disconnect Matt and Crispy right now, Nick? No. Yeah, I think so. No, think as a so. tabletop war game, 4th edition so, is great. Matt, you're off the show. <laughs> and he's looking for mini campaigns. Um, yeah. I don't know of any mini campaigns, but I think uh, an interesting thing might be to look at like 2nd edition's Birthright, uh, which is more about politics, and also your PCs are generally assumed to be more powerful than like the average Joe Schmo. Mm-hmm. 
And so you can sort of maybe instead of doing a big dungeon crawl, you can kind of get them more into the role playing of like court intrigue. Mm-hmm. I think that would be well suited for like young girls. And then they might be interested in that, yeah. Yeah, they'll go into middle school and they'll already know how to manipulate people and like enact Machiavellian plots and they'll become queens of their middle school. Yeah, but they got to make sure you can't really poison people. You can't actually physically backstab people. You definitely should let them know that uh, real life actual murder is off the table. Yeah. 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 Just saying. Just throwing that out there. Disclaimer. Or just don't get caught. Yeah. Well, I okay. mean, if it's a so Machiavellian the plot, <laughs> they're definitely not going to get caught. But where's that HR him thing going on? HR is going to get us now. <laughs> I know. Moving on, moving on. Yeah. Uh, lastly, my oldest, who's 12, and I are going to Gen Con for our first time. We did a local convention last fall, which she loved. Yeah. Uh, do you have advice for first timers? Should we buy dedicated tickets for each event? Should we just pick one or two per day and get general tickets and look for spots open, or will we be disappointed for waiting for empty spots all day? Well, um, for me, I I do have some experience with this. My my youngest, she's 15, she went with me to Origins this year. And I guess one thing you would look at is, does does your child have the exact same interest is you as far as gaming's concerned you know okay and <laughs> <laughs> thanks, for the ch- thanks for thanks for the hr that's yeah, hr i think no, was no. that hr that was hr but keep going okay <laughs> we're ignoring hr yes we are yeah. we're on a roll but yeah find out what their interests are in, in gaming if they have the exact same ones like for, for phoenix she or anna uh she's not all entirely in my sort of gaming. She's really more into Pokemon than anything else. Did so, Pokemon Go. Oh heck yeah! yeah I play Pokemon oh, Go. Yeah. I went to Disneyland last weekend. That was a Pokemon Go treasure trove. My yeah. wife plays Pokemon. Okay, Go. Me no. and some anyway. of my coworkers were playing Pokemon Go on our bre- afternoon break this afternoon because there's a Poke Stop right behind our office building. Oh, oh nice. Anyway, not to derail this, but. Um, but you know, I, I, when I saw, I let her know that there's events like that going on there and, and she, she spent most of her time doing that. I, you know, unlike any parent keeping tabs on her, make sure she's doing okay, texting her, calling her, whatever. And, um, that seemed to work and worked out very well. Um, well, the difference with Gen Con is. It's ginormous. Yes, you're looking at about 65-ish thousand people. Um, yeah, it's a giant so mass of humanity. Uh, also, uh, if you haven't pre-regged, um, get in line early. Early, yeah. early. Um, because you can have Saturdays, if the computers get a little wonky, you can have a multi-hour wait to get yeah. your badge if you haven't pre-regged. It was like that at Origins on the first day. On Wednesday, it was like that. There was people mi- missing their events, or you know, they're or they were like halfway that the event was halfway through. But luckily, a lot of the uh, GMs and stuff were letting people in because of the, the delays. Right. But, yeah. Even Gen Con be like that. Yeah. For sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um. I guess. Um. 
if it's their first time, I would actually play it kind of loose. I wouldn't go into with a really strict regimen of what you're going to do as far as gaming is concerned. I'd probably get some generics, maybe uh, one organized play that you're getting into each day. I would just... I would just try to get one event each day, maybe, or maybe just a couple of days at an event, because there's so much going on. And if it's their first time, you really want them to get the full experience of it. And one thing I've learned from my own personal experience is try to look for events that are towards the evening so you can have your day open to go to the exhibit hall. Right. Unless there's something you really, really want to play. And even if you got locked out of tickets, if it's an 8 a.m. event, you might be able to sneak in with generics because people don't always make those events. Right. Right. So at least that's one of the things I do. I like to get events late afternoon, evening, and then then during the day I could go to the exhibit hall and look around at stuff. And uh, but like like Matt said, go ahead and if there's something that's you really want to get into but it's during the day by all means you know go ahead and do it so yeah that's my two copper pieces on it yeah gen con is huge the exhibit yeah. hall uh to really go through it you could spend an entire day and still not really see everything uh yeah. my suggestion go through the exhibit hall and as you're seeing new games you've never heard of that's when you find out hey where what events do you have and then those are the ones you can usually also sneak into and be like, and then you're trying new things and you're getting to experience stuff that you wouldn't even think of going. If you planned out your Gen Con now, you're going to miss a lot of serendipitous adventures yeah. because you're already blocked out. Where right. the the best Gen Cons for me have always been, I just wander and what, it, what I get into is what I get into. Yeah, and, and that's when I seem to enjoy myself the most. When you're, you exactly because otherwise, you when you have the rigid blocks, Gen Con's expanded so much, you're just going to be running around city block to city block to yeah. event to event, and you're going to be stressed, and you're going you're to be the, and you're going to be wiped out at the end of the day. Oh the, yeah, yeah, and it'll hit the point where you'll be like, I don't even want to do this event. It's too far. Yeah. I don't. I'm too tired. Whereas if you have the just leave it a little more loose and open. Then you yeah. could like, okay, I just need a break now. And I need to get away from just all these people. Yeah. Because sometimes you just need that. Well, my, my daughter's like that. She kind of gets sensory overload. And I said to her, hey, you want to go back to the hotel room? Let me know. I'll let you back in there. And you could just hang out there. So that'd be another thing that might be, you know, might have taken consideration. You want to take some breaks here and there. Absolutely. Right. You don't want to, you don't want to get overwhelmed. I know I planned my second time I went to Gen Con in 2011. I didn't really, I had two games I played, and the rest of the time I just wandered around with uh, Jason back then, interviewing everybody we can get our hands on and trying to find Matt, who disappeared for a lot of the times because he was gaming. How dare he? Yeah. Well, actually, uh, yeah, I was playing Hero Click. I was grinding out Hero Click. Yes, you were. Yeah, Be I remember that. Yes, because every, basically, for every four games, I was getting a $100 figure. And it only cost me forty eight to play those four events. So I was making I was making money yeah. that Gen Con. You were I was yeah definitely getting your money's worth. Yes, I was. And actually, I did that at the Origins prior to that Gen Con to help pay for Gen Con. Yeah, I just that's right. I do remember that. I went to Origins <laughs> and I ended up selling the convention exclusives I got and had like four or five hundred dollars, which paid for Gen Con for you. Yes. <laughs> 
but uh, yeah, as far as Gen Con, there's so many events. What Matt says, keep your schedule rather open. You want to spend some time looking at Exhibit Hall because it's ginormous. And there's plenty of pickup games you can get into. But if there's like one or two events that look like you want to get into together, by all means, you know, do it. But, you know, try to space it out. Give yourselves enough time to, you know, look around, meet some people, eat. Yes. <laughs> Things oh. like that. Yeah, they have uh, bar nights and everything. You can you know, hang out while well, camping your daughters to that, but <laughs> you yeah. can for yourself, but yeah. hang but, out with the guys. And there's the Any Awards you can watch because that's always interesting to see who won and yeah. the up-and-coming yeah. games and people like that. Yeah, the auction little, is fun. Uh, yeah, the auction's fun. Yeah, is, you know, Frank used to run in Origins. Frank Metzer did. Yeah. He does it. Him and Tim Cast do a great job at North Texas RPG Con. They, I'll tell you that. They okay. and they they were also doing Gen Cons as well. Uh, the reason they stopped Origins is because of Ohio law, Ohio's re- law yeah. regarding auctioneers. You actually have to be yeah. licensed to to hold an auction. Yeah, that was that, like at ninety nine or two thousand. I think that was the last time they did it. Yeah, so and, like, and that's oh. why basically the Origins went to more of a silent auction format for most of the days, and they have an auctioneer one day. Their auction's kind of meh. Last yeah. I've seen. Um, one little tip though, when oh. you're looking through the, the exhibit hall, oh. if you want to buy something, unless you really, really want it, then try to wait until Sunday. Yeah. Because that's the time when, you know, they're all going to be packing up that evening, or at least you know most most of them will be, and they want they don't want to bring a lot of that stuff back with them. Right. So you might get some really good discounts. Well, there, there is a caveat with that. If it's a new release, just go ahead and buy it. Well, that's Be- the thing, yeah. Because but they're going to run out. But if it's that's been out for a while yeah. and you haven't bought it, and it's like, oh, there it is, and you wait until Sunday, it's like 50% off, then like, boom, there you go. Yeah, Cool Stuff Inc. is usually good for doing that. Uh, they, on Sundays, will every hour mark down like the board games in their booth. Uh, to the point where some of like you'll get a fifty dollar game for five bucks. Um, also look for what I call boo boo books or you know boo boo boxes, the ones that they've kind of been dented up and stuff like yeah. that. Um, I think was it Troll and Toad? They usually has a pretty good setup. Not anymore. Uh, Troll and Toad. If you even go to their website when it comes to the old games and stuff, it's not there. They're pretty. They're more just miniatures and collectible oh, yeah. cards. There's someone else that does it too. I I went to their booth at Origins. Cool, uh, cool stuff has that yeah. the dented stuff. They they I, and just for the heck of it, they had hold on to your hat here, Vincent. I actually bought Pathfinder role playing game, the core rule book. <gasps> I was interested, but. It normally retails for fifty four ninety nine. It's a little dented at top. I got it for twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah that's. that's I mean, you can't pass that up. Right. I mean, I got for uh, for Call of Cthulhu the massive boxed campaign. I'm, I was reading through it finally. Horror on the Orient Express that came out just a few years back. Just a couple of years, they revised it, and it's huge. It normally retails for I think hundred and twenty dollars. I got it for seventy five because the box was torn on the corner. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So the, huge savings. Yeah. There. Their their scratched and ding is very liberal when it comes to what they considered scratched and ding because some of oh, those yeah. I wouldn't I I would consider that hey that's just normal shelfware. 
Mm-hmm. So there and was- you could, I would say at the minimum, the lowest uh, was like thirty percent off, and it's usually anywhere between thirty to fifty percent, if not more. Right. Yeah. So definitely look for stuff like that. Oh, practically everything I bought was a was a a, a ding book, you know, a boo boo book. Yeah. So yeah, at Origins, I made I only made it up for like a couple hours in the afternoon and wandered the hall, and all I did was come away with uh, cat board games because I bought a game called Here Kitty Kitty, where basic <laughs> it, you're 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 trying to be the crazy cat lady and hoard all the cats in the neighborhood. It's actually really fun. I took it to we didn't have our Ravenloft campaign because like three people were out, so me and two other guys played some games and i happened to bring this to show them so and we played this i sold two copies that night they both ordered it right on the spot when they played it oh okay because it's it's just it's a fun light game that you can get non-gamers to play but it does have some strategy to it so they're like oh this would be perfect to play with like my niece this will be perfect to play with like non-gamer friends or whatever so okay it's actually a really good game so i bought that and i also bought uh schrodinger's cats another game that one of the, my other buddies ended up buying after playing it it's basically liar's dice with cats and mm. and phys- physicist cats Meow. with some cards and random uh, and some random effects thrown a good into. card game is exploding kittens that's a good one yes Meow. Meow. gotta find that one go okay. get that cat out of here ah get it out of here so that's going to wrap up the show this week. Uh, RFI staff at gmail.com, 570-865-4210. As we put a wrap to another show, and we'll be back in two and two. No, I'm not Chuck Woolery, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> keep it original, keep it old school. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, everyone. The Roll for Initiative podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions in association with d20radio.com. You can visit us at rfipodcast.com or contact us on our forums at osrgaming.org or even by calling us at 570-865-4210. This podcast is produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. And remember, if your magic missile spell doesn't automatically hit, you're playing the wrong edition. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Roll for Initiative. Roll for Initiative.